Welcome to Cyclass. This is Adam Robbins. Before we get into uh, the meat of today's uh, podcast, I wanted to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and uh, rate us five stars if you think we've earned it. Um, that's one way that you can help support us. It will get our name out a little bit more broadly in the uh, podcast world and um, hopefully get people uh, some access and some visibility into what we're doing. And what we're doing today is is going to be somewhat different to the pri- previous podcasts. It's March 27th, 2020. We're sitting in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And what I was wondering is how can, how can we use this podcast to give people an insight into how breweries are really feeling on a day-to-day basis as we go through this this pandemic, how it changes over time. I know in our own brewery, we've had uh, massive change curves through through all of this, massive day-to-day different challenges, different uh, things that we have to work through, and ebbs and flows in terms of how you feel um, on a personal ba- basis and on a, on a, on a, on a broad basis. Uh, we have multiple different communities around the U.S. at different points on the pandemic um, development curve. So um, what, what I thought would be an interesting way to sort of document this, because I've been trying to write it myself, trying to write some notes, because it literally changes on a day-to-day basis, and you're always so focused in the current moment that you almost forget what happened yesterday, or yesterday seems like three weeks ago, which is very true when you don't sleep very much, like uh, I may have been recently. But um, what I thought would be good to do is to speak to, reach out to some of my friends in the industry and uh, have have conversations with them on a recurring basis as we all go through this pandemic at different points in the industry, different size breweries, different types of breweries, and see really how this is impacting their communities in different parts of the country, their breweries themselves, them as people, and their team as people. Um, so what I've what I've done is I've lined up uh, three breweries that we're going to speak to every two weeks over over Zoom on on the uh, interwebs. And uh, so I've been trying to figure out how to record all of that. Um, but we've we've lined up three great people. Uh, that we're going to be speaking to on a regular basis. And then you'll be able to, only short snippets every time, maybe 15 minutes, but try and understand what their challenges are, what their, uh, how the people are feeling, what they're having to do with their businesses, their breweries, their craft, and how their communities are, are facing up to the challenges in front of them. So we have uh, three breweries lined up today. Uh, John Dantzler from Torch and Crown Brewing in New York. He's going to be with us. J.C. Hill from Alvarado Street in Monterey, California. He's going to be with us. And John Harris uh, from Ecliptic in Oregon. So what I'm going to do is have three separate conversations with uh, each, each person and uh, around the same themes. And we can understand how this is impacting their breweries, um, which have different sizes and different business models, as well as they're all around different parts of the country. And then... I'll also be able to give my two cents around how we're how we're coping with things in uh, Seattle, Washington, and uh, it, it, you may already have uh, 
noticed, but uh, Matt's not here. So, uh, like I said, it's March 27th, and we're in the middle of the pandemic in Seattle. He's been working from home for a couple of weeks, and uh, he can't make this one, but I'm hoping to have my uh, partner in crime with us uh, on, the, on the next podcast. So let's get, let's get into this. I hope that all makes sense. Um, we're going to start with John Dantzler from Torch and Crown Brewing. Uh, for those of you in the Seattle area, you would have known that we we've done a, or you may have known that we did a pod uh, a brew a brew with them. Uh, we did a collaboration brew with them around the same time as a hop selection. Uh, John was actually one of Grace's students when she was a teacher over in uh, New Jersey a number of years ago. So we have a, a relationship with with him that's lasted for some some time. Um, in terms of JC, I've known JC for a number of years. Uh, we, uh, back five years ago, we had the same designer who um, did our labels. That then we don't anymore. But um, he's an awesome guy, um, has an amazing brewery in, in Monterey. We've done a, a number of collaborations with him. John Harris is a legend in the beer industry. He's responsible for some of the biggest beers in the, the United States, the most popular beers in the United States with his work in Deschutes, uh, who is an, who an awesome brewery um, themselves. Um, but he has his own brewery now, Ecliptic, um, and and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, we've been texting as we've been going through this uh, pandemic and how things have been, been uh, evolving um, over time and just trying to keep keep tabs on what everybody's doing, what the opportunities are, what the issues are, and how do we all get through it together. So let's get into it. First of all, John Dantzler. Cheers. Well, hi, John. Thanks for being with us. It's good to catch up, man. Happy to be here. It is good. It's good in these tough times. Um, how about you give people an overview of your brewery to start with? Yeah. Yeah, Torch and Crown. Uh, we founded Torch and Crown back in 2017, be the only brewery in Manhattan. Um, we saw a huge opportunity. You know, there's a lot of really tremendous beer, a lot of really tremendous breweries in the city, but we saw a huge opportunity to bring uh, bring the brewery experience and kind of the, this craft process that we're all so passionate about right to the heart of things, right to the people. Um, so we set out to build a brewery in downtown Manhattan, which has taken us, you know, that was early 2017. It's taken us a few years to get here. And uh, we're now kind of right on the uh, right on the precipice. We um, are wrapping up construction, or we're wrapping up construction before this whole uh, virus mess. Um, but and in the meantime, we also acquired a production facility up in the Bronx, where we've been doing a lot of contract brewing for other breweries, as well as we just launched our brand um, earlier this year. So um, been selling Torch and Crown beer for. Uh, just over, uh, just over a year at this point, and been contract brewing for probably two and a half years. No, that's great. So, um, it seems like many years ago, but it's probably just a few weeks. Um, when when did you uh, first believe coronavirus was going to impact your your community and your brewery? Like, it, maybe you can think about that time that it's sort of like the kind of oh shit moment, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there definitely was an oh shit moment. Um, <clears throat> So my my background, I was a trader for a few years before this, and uh, that was I think financial markets started to started to price this in, started to, to take a big hit before I think 
before other countries or before, sorry, before our government even, and before, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of official communications were taking it seriously. And so that to me was, uh, typically that, you know, I, I tend to believe markets are relatively efficient and, um, typically when, when there's something like that happening, that's a big sign that there will be knock on effects and, and, you know, that there's a reason people, you know, there's a reason fear is entering the market. And from, from there, I mean, it, it was, I think, uh, just an absolute embarrassment how long it took our country to go from, you know, Trump being national TV and saying it's a, a hoax perpetuated by the Democrats, uh, to treat, to taking it seriously. And by that point, um, you know, I think we'd, we've had, we've had some, you know, pretty big, uh, um, you know, in, infection, um, kind of growing, growing through, through the country and both of our cities, Seattle and New York have taken yeah. you know, the brunt of it. Yeah. So, um, but when you say the markets were starting to price it in, is, is that just the leading indices are you thinking about or like, or is there uh, something yeah. else? Yeah. So, um, equity indices across the kind of globally, um, as well as, um, so looking okay. at, at kind of the, you know, interest rates are in some ways uh, an expectation of, of what Fed. So it's, it's kind of, I guess, derivative here because it's, it's an expectation of what Fed policy will be, um, you know, as a reaction to what is happening. So it's sort of, um, you know, I guess a maybe, maybe chasing the tail to get to the head. Yeah. Um, but, but either way, that's, I think, one of the most uh, direct ways to look at it. So when the Euro dollar futures curve steepened quite a bit, that was when, um, that was when I took a step back and said, I think this is real. Okay. Okay. So when, when you, when you, when, when that aha moment went on in your head, what, what, what did you do? That was the first thing you did. I opened up the, uh, uh, up the state laws and started reading into, uh, what, what direct consumer action is available. Um, our New York state laws have changed and, and really, you know, this has been a theme kind of throughout the country, uh, state by state laws have changed to allow more, you know, producers selling direct consumer to allow kind of a blurring of the three tier system, New York that happened in 2013 and in 2015 and, um, enabled, enabled people, you know, enabled breweries to, um, to sell direct consumer, but really all that meant or all that has meant in New York up until now has just been breweries open, open their front door and sell cans to go. And obviously, you know, we don't really have a front door to open up given that, you know, we're, we're in a, still in a construction site here. Um, and you know, our production facility isn't open to the public. There's no tap room there. Yeah, exactly. That, that, so that really wasn't an option for us. And, um, so I, I looked through everything to try to, to formulate, you know, under what circumstances would uh, direct consumer delivery be allowed? Is there, you know, is a workaround? Is there a way to, to make this happen? Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really the only, um, I guess the, the only direct action that, uh, that we had in our power to, to undertake by ourselves. Um, we have obviously, I mean, for right now, because our tap room's not open yet, because we've start, sort of, you know, I like to think of our brands as still pre-launch. Uh, we, the bulk of our revenue is still from contracting. 
And the way to think about contract brewing is that we handle the, the sort of excess capacity demand for other breweries. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just like it's a, it's a hyper seasonal business contract brewing, you know, you need breweries need excess, uh, excess demand, excess capacity, excuse me. Um, this summer and then in the winter, you know, in January when things are slowing down, breweries can typically handle the volume themselves. And so, um, you know, it was obvious that that was going to happen, that, that basically we wouldn't be needed anymore. Um, as, uh, as, as, and so we didn't know exactly how it would, how it would play out, whether it would just be people would be going out less or, um, you know, the, I guess the extent to which the premise uh, market would drop off was was unclear, but it was um, you know we we knew it would be we knew that would that would effectively kill our contract business, which it did. Um, so it was about it was about trying to find ways to um, ways to fight it, and then so you know so it's the one thing I did on the the legislation side, um, but then on the other side was. Uh, taking a full review of our financials, uh, of all our operating costs. And, you know, we, where, where can we, uh, where can we cut costs? What, you know, what sort of capital expenditure initiatives are we currently that we can pause? Things like that to just, you know, it, it, it went from kind of, we were in sort of this hyper growth and hyper investment mode, um, building this place downtown, um, you know, all, all kind of, positioning our brand for this massive launch around this uh this brewery uh that's you know that's downtown this is going to be the seminal moment All, you know we have this we have this this sort of thing in our heads and um we really needed to shift our focus on a dime uh from you know from from that happening till to just cash conservation uh you know we there, there have been some awful stories about breweries laying off, you know, their entire staff, breweries closing their doors, hopefully temporarily, but people don't know. And, you know, we, we wanted to put our, ourselves in, in the best position to keep our full staff and to weather this thing, um, kind of regardless of how it played out. So, so right now, March 27th, right? So you're in the middle of a, a shelter in place. Is that right? Yes. How long does that last for? And is, is there a set date or... I don't know. I don't know. So March, uh, March 13th, Friday the 13th was the day that, oh, wow. um, that New York put out, that New York closed all bars and restaurants. And, um, it was, that was the moment when, you know, it, it went from, I think earlier, it was earlier that week. It was probably, um, let's say a week before that, it was probably the sixth that, um, you know, that, that, it started to that that things you know that it was it became clear that things were really serious, and um you know so we we expected some form of this to happen, and then on on the thirteenth it was like all right well our contract business we expected to be around zero but now we know that's zero and uh, our on premiseness we expected to be you know to take a massive hit but now we know that's zero as well. The construction has stopped, I presume, of your yes. the build. Yeah, so. Um, and that's, that's been a question of, I mean, in New York, there's, they classify some businesses as essential versus non-essential. Yeah. Essential businesses are allowed to stay open. Um, food and beverage manufacturers fall into that category. Um, so we are, we are essential. We are allowed to stay open. Um, construction actually does too, but it, it, you know, it at some point just becomes a matter of, does it make sense to have 
you know, we had, we had a crew of 60 people in here working in close quarters together. And, and, um, you know, does sense to do that. Is that, is that sort of, is that going to help society at the moment? And I think, I think that answer was pretty clearly no. Here, here in Seattle, we have the essential businesses uh, thing, and uh, food and beverage is included in that, but construction isn't. So construction is not essential, but like maintenance or emergency repairs is. Uh, that it wasn't even clear what the uh, uh, stay home, stay safe uh, order actually said around construction. So they had to come out the next day with a specific edict on it because it's, it's. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Because even like the the statewide uh, building association thought that it said that they could carry on, uh, and that it didn't. So right now, then you, I, I, if I remember rightly, you're doing some uh, delivery, right? You're, you're getting in your truck, yeah. right? And <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I mean, doing whatever we can to you know to stay alive and to to keep take care of take care of our city, take care of our staff. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that. When the 13th came around, uh, we had we had sort of always wanted to launch some sort of direct consumer delivery platform. That was that's a big part of the reason. I mean, if you think about kind of, I guess why we're here, why we're paying this extremely high rent, and why we're dealing with these you know incredibly difficult like logistics and and a really tough production environment <laughs> and all that in downtown Manhattan. You know, it's to get right in the heart of things. It's to get face to face with as many people as possible. And, uh, that, you know, that, that means our tap room, that means kind of the experience we provide here, but it also means hopefully, um, experience that we can provide outside of our own four walls, um, which, you know, so we've, we've always had ambitions of launching this, uh, delivery program within the city, but that was like, you know, let's build the brew pub. Let's, let's sort of get the restaurant operating profitable, get the, the tap room, same thing. And kind of then, you know, then one to three years worry about this delivery thing. And so that went from a, uh, I mean, quite frankly, a pipe dream on the one to three year horizon to let's get this done in 40 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, um, I, we had a, uh, kind of all hands meeting with, with our, uh, our sales team and our, um, you know, kind of everyone, everyone involved with, with this, uh, with this process of sales, production, marketing, and, um, you know, basically this is, we have, we have a weekend to get this thing, um, you know, to get this thing up and running, to get this thing functional yeah. and the, to work out the operational constraints to, to make it happen. And, um, you know, we're, we're at Torch and Crown. I mean, we're blessed to have just the, the greatest team I can imagine. And, um, everyone, uh, just really rolled their sleeves up and got to work. We did uh, full weekends worth of work building the website, building all the back end, um, you know, infrastructure needed to to track deliveries, to handle them. Just kind of, you know, from from to to back. Once somebody once somebody wants beer, to them having beer at their door. There's there's a lot of you know there's a lot that that goes into that. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, there are companies, you know, Uber and 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 those that have spent years building that up and. Um, and we, we had to, we had to get, get smart on it in, uh, in a weekend. So we, we had, um, <laughs> didn't even, didn't even really have time to, um, to, to get with our, our web design folks. We actually had our, our marketing director, Chris, um, became our de facto CTO over. 
um, <laughs> built the website himself and we did all sorts of stress testing and, and, um, all sorts of like, you know, um, uh, fake deliveries basically to, yeah. to our own homes, um, you know, to, to test out everything and, and, um, and just keep, kept iterating, kept kind of, you know, finding flaws, blowing holes in our, uh, in our, in our structure as it was and, and just continuing to, all right, how do we, how do we stop? How do we plug that hole? How do we get this better? And by Tuesday we launched, it definitely wasn't perfect. It was a lot of, uh, I would say it was more oh shit than not. Um, <laughs> but, but we got it done and, you know, luckily, luckily we have a, a pretty, um, a team who's, who's aggressive and is going to, to step up and get things done, even if it needs to be, it was definitely a lot more brute force than, um, yeah. you know, than, than efficient, I would say. But, um, over, you know, over that, over the next few days, we, we would have, um, you know, twice daily debriefs of, of sort of, you know, what happened, um, what are, what are we seeing out in the field? How is this different from what we expected? And how do we, how do we plan for this? How do we make this a more efficient process, uh, next time? So, you know, it's sort of, all these you can you can build all these great routing al- algorithms and you know I studied computer science Chris is great at that stuff too and you know you, you can you can do all that stuff and then when you have a driver stuck 20 minutes in an apartment building because he can't find apartment number 17 it's for some reason they're not numbered by floor they're just numbered right. and <laughs> you know in a nonsensical way then uh, then all of that lovely planning kind of goes out the window so okay. there's a funny kind of mix of like uh you know the model versus versus what's practical and, and kind of trying to figure it out on the fly. So it's been um, definitely a stressful time. I don't think any of us are, have been, uh, I've gotten a lot of sleep in the last yeah. few weeks, but um, it's been, you know, it's been awesome. So if you're looking for positives that have come out of this, that that is one area, right? That you've got three years further down your plan, you know, yeah. on, on that area. You know, we got to <laughs> yeah, look exactly. for the positives, right? Exactly. Look, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, it's, it's really hard to, to look for the silver linings right now. We're still definitely right, right in the things. And, and as this thing stretches on and we don't know what government funding will look like and sort of all of that, it's, it's, we're, we're definitely still kind of head down and, and, you know, trying to make payroll next, next week and, and the week yeah. after that and so on. Um, but I think, uh, um, definitely, I mean, it, we're, you know, we're, we're focused on coming out of this thing, but, uh, when we do come out, um, we'll be, you know, we'll be really battled. Um, yeah. it's been, it's, it's been a, a, a lot of experience that, that we're gaining, um, really quickly in, in what, in what, you know, what people in our city want. Um, and, and in kind of how, how we need to get it to them. And, and you've managed to keep your team intact, have you? Yes. That's great. Yes, we have. So we're, uh, been, I mean, we've been, been really fortunate as, um, of the support that the city has, you know, has shown us. Um, it's been in, in our first week, we did a little over 300 orders. Uh, we're on pace to, to do, um, substantially more than that this week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's been, there's been a lot of, a lot of people out there that are, you know, that understand, understand the position we're in as a small business kind of pre-launch and, and all of that yeah. and, um, are kind of rallying around us and, and it's, it's their support that's getting us through this. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a couple of things, a couple of questions. So how, how long 
in your mind are you thinking that this will go on for you know like obviously we don't have a crystal ball but like just in your mind you know yeah i look at um i look at sort of i look at china hong kong places like that obviously they had a much faster and more robust reaction to uh the disease spread than than we have um we're kind of just getting there i think um but for uh that was those were periods of of kind of uh, about three months, kind of 50 days ish. Um, and I think that's probably what we're in for. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's something that'll impact a lot of businesses. Uh, it's something, you know, that has already impacted a lot of businesses. And, um, you know, I think, um, I, I think we're, we're sort of just at the tip of this. This is going to, you know, for, for now, I think we're all kind of still running on adrenaline and still figuring out, oh, this, this shelter in place thing is kind of cool. I get to have video meetings and start drinking at 2 PM. Um, but, (laughs) but I think like it'll become a new normal and it's going to become like, wow, this is, this is actually life for a bit that, that I have to get adjusted to. And, um, you know, I think, I think we, we need to be ready and, and, as businesses, we need to be doing whatever we can to shore up our balance sheets, um, to cut costs and, you know, hopefully, you know, to take care of our people. Um, however, however that makes sense, however we can make it happen. No, agreed. Thanks for your time. And we'll speak in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that sounds great. So that was a great, great discussion with John Dantzler, Torch and Crown Brewing in New York. Let's now move on to our next guest, John Harris from Ecliptic Brewing in Oregon. After we've had a chat with all all three, I'll um, try and bring it together and see if there are any themes and add in how we're seeing things as well in Seattle, Washington right now. But for now, here's John Harris. So thanks, John, for being being on this podcast. It's going to be great catching up with you every every couple of weeks. So maybe we start with you giving an overview of your brewery and and you know how much on off premise you have and for people who don't know I'm sure most people do know about you but just in case yeah the Ecliptic Brewing's here in Portland Oregon um, we've been open for six and a half years now I guess since October of 2013 um, we started out as a brew pub and on the small production side and have grown into a brew pub closed now um, <laughs> the restaurant <laughs> closed. And uh, a uh, growing uh, off-premise business (laughs) (laughs) to to go. (laughs) Prior to the closing of the bars and restaurants in Oregon, Washington, we were probably seventy percent packaged, thirty percent draft. So we were kind of in a position anyway, based upon how we launched cans a couple years ago, that we had to skew so hard the cans because they were so popular that our draft didn't grow along with that. So, um, but in this kind of thing, we're actually we're set up pretty good in the sense that we already have the authorizations and stuff to be in the major chains. So yep. uh, we have that going for us. Uh, but we were, you know, I'm a strong, our draft was growing pretty strong so far this year. So, which is where we make a lot of our money is in the draft beer. Yep. As you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's still on. Um, so we're uh, in the beginning about barrels last year, was about 21,000 barrels. So um, yeah, tw- 21,000. That's about exactly the same as us actually. So we're almost, that's pretty cool. When when did you first believe coronavirus was going to impact your community and your brewery? So, like, was there an oh shit moment that you had, like, that was very vivid, or was it more of a building thing? 
Well, I mean, initially just hearing the reports, especially out of Italy, how bad this was getting, and then having to go into that real national lockdown, the part of it was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and belief in the invisible shield of the United States of America, right? Nothing crossed our borders, especially you can go airborne, you know? So, <laughs> um, I don't know, it got kind of real when you saw, um, let's take your... Uh, the California piece, when the Bay Area was started, that's where I really thought, okay, this is not too far from here. And I think, well, it's supposed to start up with you guys up in Washington, too. I mean, there's one yep. of that, and California closing all the bars and stuff early on, and then like three weeks ago or something. Yeah. Just, um, I think our governor, I think she she probably could have waited, I know, two weeks and not to close the restaurants, but I think she was really smart uh, when she did it. Just said, we got to do this. And, uh, and then she issued a stay-at-home order, which... You know, everybody's following the six foot rule. I have to remind people six feet, yeah. <laughs> please, please. You know, so, um, but like I said, um, we're still producing beer though. I mean, our package sales are have gone up quite a bit. Um, so we're definitely, we're kind of in summertime volume right now in March, which is not what I expected, but it's all cans though. So um, we're not making as, as much money on the, you know, on the beer. We're, we're, we're breaking even, but we're not getting super rich right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, just just keeping the doors open is a win right now, right? Yeah, um, um, oh, for sure. I mean, I'm happy to keep people employed. Um, I do feel that we are an essential business, being that people right now probably want beer more than ever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the service staying open right now. So, um, see how it plays out in the end. But yeah, but uh, no, I, I mean, just watching just you guys was the Seattle and California seen us seen us right in between. It was like, oh well, we're in between. <laughs> it's gotta it's gotta get here at some point. <laughs> so so right now, um, do you your your restaurants obviously closed. Do you do to go sales for food? Uh yeah, right now my um, my restaurant management staff is still working uh, running, you know, the kitchen and to go beer um, seven days a week. Um, it's been going okay. This will be, we're in our second week right now, so I'm kind of curious to see what this next weekend brings, and especially since the stay-at-home order went down last Sunday, I think, or Monday it went down. So I'll see if people will still come out. I mean, they're allowed to come get to go pick up food, so there's... It's, but I don't know. It's, uh, right now it's working. I like the fact that we're providing something. People are you know, buying lunch, buying dinner. We're doing these packages of, like, family meal. Of, you, know, you get all the... You know, everything, you know, start... To, through dessert so that's um those seem to be kind of popular right now so that's a good good idea through all the food we had already purchased um trying to get that out the door save as much as we can without losing all the inventory i mean you know kitchen inventory normally is around nine thousand dollars with everything including spices and flour and such but you know it's money <laughs> so we haven't bought anything yet so we'll kind of see where we're at and see what where we want to go next you know after uh so are, you, are your production team on the brewing side are all busy keeping up with the uh, can can orders and then on the on the restaurant side you have you had to put any um servers on furlough or anything or how, how is it working on a people perspective no, 28 people got laid off basically uh, for lack of work so yeah we're starting to see some people um apply for unemployment not everybody's done it yet. I haven't seen all the 28 people's applications yet, or I have to send back what they made. Um, but uh, no, the restaurant immediately. We just when, when the restaurants were announced, they went closed on that Tuesday. We just 
we just closed the restaurant right then that minute. <laughs> so, okay, we're just done. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like, yeah. no one's up tonight anyway, you know. Which wasn't true, actually. I guess it was a lot of places where there was pandemonium, the last drink in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all the restaurant people, they understand. I mean, they're, they say, it's not your fault, John. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you know, I still don't like it, you know? Yeah. Do you have standby unemployment in Oregon? So, like, they can come back to you? I know there's you. ways where you could, like, work share, where, like, let's say... Like two people could work 30 hours each and then get unemployment for 10 hours a lot, you know, a week, something like that. Yeah. People can share time, but we haven't got to that situation yet. I mean, there's this whole new, uh, you probably saw this CARES Act, right? You've seen that, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't read 880 pages of it though. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of, I can forward you some synopses, but uh, basically it's payroll protection plan where you can, Basically, it's, um, if you use all the money for actually paying people, then you can actually have it. It's going to become a grant. You can just give it to it. Give it it's free. So my controller thinks we can get $400,000. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm, waiting <laughs> <Sign> to, <up. laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see, like, the uh, synopses of them. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep the doors open as much as I can and then see what happens there. But, um. So you saw it building up over a period of time, and we were texting a lot, you know, as it was building, you know. Um, yeah. Did you um, start with contingency plans? Uh, how, how did you kind of, how did you kind of plan as you went into this, or was it just like, you know, like off the cuff as as, as you went because it was changing so quickly? Um, I, um, about a week and a half before we actually closed the restaurant. Um, my person, she had been working on an action plan and then like different, what different triggers were going to be for us to do certain things and, and uh, what we're watching in the media, what we're watching happening other, around the world. And we were in a phase level one for a long time and then suddenly we were like level three. <laughs> you know, just like, oh <laughs> so we started to look at that, look at ways, you know, how people could work from home, things like that. Um, which most of my admin people can easily work from home. Um, I think they're going crazy though. Yeah. <laughs> we had started to, to look at everything. Um, but in hindsight, probably not as thoroughly as might have should have, you know, when you think about all these type of things, like, oh, well, I should have done that. <laughs> I didn't, right? Hindsight is always a wonderful thing, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, but this is, I think, bigger than, well, I'm not quite sure people are taking this as seriously as they probably should be, especially across the US. I mean, it's not three people, you know, looking at an engine together yesterday. It's just like, oh, really? Six feet. <laughs> you're all in the foot of each other. You know, it's like, well, you're from England, but Americans, you know, and you see, Americans are pretty cocky. <laughs> either, but they are. I mean, it's like, it's, I think so there's this piece of like, us, why not? Us never, you know, we never have a problem. Yeah. I, I, I mean, somebody said that they appreciate how like positive I can be in it. And it's, and it maybe is that, Britishism, right? That stiff British upper lip comes through where you don't really think about it. You just carry on, on pushing, you know? It's just in, in, ingrained in you. It's a, a benefit of, of, of some of that, maybe. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so uh, what, how long um, do you have a view of how long this will carry on going for? Obviously, we're March 27th now, and we don't have a crystal ball, but uh, what are you planning? How, how are you planning going forward into the future? Well, we're doing... Uh best cash modeling as we can um just have a controller now and it's kind of you know it's like wow i have somebody who can 
do this. And that knows what they're doing. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, uh, I got my loans assisted for three months. So I can save that cash at least for the next three months to see what really this really, what, where this really goes. I think three yeah. months will have a better idea. Yeah. You know, the restaurants are supposed to close for four weeks. I don't really see them opening in two weeks. Maybe they will. So you're two weeks into a four week restaurant shutdown. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. As of next Tuesday. Yeah. So about halfway through two weeks. And is the feeling generally that that four weeks will get extended, or is there what you know? What, what are you thinking? I bet you it's extended another month. I would guess. It's my guess. Um, and like I said, unless something really, really peaks and crashes very quickly, I don't know. I mean, I've read some pretty um, dire <laughs> analysis of the situation, um, both good, you know, both ways, you know, but. Uh, I just gotta really see it more as a summertime coming back in the summer versus coming back in the spring. That's why I read at least. Oh yeah. And uh, so, I mean, as long as we can keep, you know, I, mean, I, get, I got I mean, UPS got an article uh, from them saying we can't guarantee delivery days anymore. So I think about spare parts we get in for a canine. You know, it's like, oh, yes, that oh, they're not guaranteeing when that's gonna get there. Like you can't get next day air isn't isn't necessarily next day air anymore. So you know, there's so many things that ravel together, you know, to keep our breweries running. Yeah. So that is a, a belt or a, a, a bushing or a bearing. You know, I mean, some real little things that but we try to keep a lot of that stuff in stock. So, but um, I mean, I just kind of figured this is the new normal for a while. Um, but we can. We thought about maybe it was a beer delivery. We're talking about that today. That's really realistic. We're getting hooked up with a couple online delivery services, caviar and such that do deliver beer too now. So that might be our best avenue. Is just if people just want beer, call caviar and they'll deliver you a beer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if you want food with it, great. You don't have to get food, I don't think. So you know, they may be our that might be our ticket. Yeah, because the you know the consumer pays the fee, we don't. So at least we're fortunate that we're still allowed an essential business, right? And um able to still be producing and keep everybody employed it's um that the, the the impact on the team is the tough the tough part yeah but cool okay i'll give you a call again thanks for your time i'll give you a call in a couple of weeks and we'll we'll um catch up again okay so a big thank you to john harris and they're from portland oregon uh ecliptic brewing now let's go and have a chat with jc hill who was the founder of Alvarado Street in Monterey, California. Hi, JC. Uh, thanks for agreeing to do this over the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Wanted to, maybe you just give um, people an introduction to your brewery and you know how many locations you have and and how how you're set up with the restaurant and everything. Just if people aren't aware. Yeah, sure. So we opened uh, Alvarado Street Brewery, my dad and I, in 2014 in Monterey, California. It's about two hours south of San Francisco. Um, we opened with a small brew pub and a 10-barrel system, about a 150-seat restaurant. Uh, and then in 2016, we opened a production brewery uh, in Salinas, which is kind of an agricultural town in our area. It's about 30 minutes away. Um, from there, we just expanded over the years, got more tanks. Um, we have a 20 barrel system out there. Um, we've gotten, you know, a canning line and, and the like. 
Um, last year, we did about 9,000 barrels. Uh, and about a year ago, we opened another brew pub restaurant in the little beach town of Carmel-by-the-Sea, which is uh, just south of our Monterey, Monterey location. Um, and that uh, business is called Yeast of Eden. It was named after our uh, wild and barrel-aged sour project. So, yeah, and now none of those locations are open currently, but <laughs> hoping for the best here. Yeah, so so um, so when when did you? I was I've asked other people like when was kind of the uh, the oh shit moment for you with all of this? So like when did you first believe it was going to have a, a as big an impact on the community and your brewery in particular? Um, when did it sort of hit you? Well, as kind of a uh, hypochondriac, I was uh, following this pretty closely, and I sent an email to our staff. I want to say about three weeks ago, might have been three and a half, four weeks ago, um, basically saying, hey, you know, if this coronavirus comes stateside and grows, you know, really fast and starts infecting a lot of the population, you know, what, what are, what, what could happen? And to basically be prepared for, you know, a couple of months, you know, without, uh, you know, possibly having a job or, you know, if we have to close the restaurant. Uh, or the brewery, uh, you know, what would this look like? You know, maybe start thinking about this in the back of your head, um, you know, thinking, you know, maybe worst case scenario, you know, it it, it gets worse. Um, and of course, that's, you know, exactly what happened. And, you know, the, the really big oh moment was about, yeah, I mean, almost a week later. Um, and we pretty much, I think the governor uh, put the Bay Area under a shelter in place. I think that was about two weeks ago. Did you cover, were you covered by that? We were not, but our county was basically put on shelter in place the next day. Oh, wow. Um, But, I mean, even when the governor did that, we just decided to um, immediately shift to takeout only and at at our restaurants. And we did that for a week, and then we decided it wasn't really worth it for us. Um, Just where, where we are in downtown Monterey is fairly... I mean, not compared to Europe or anything, but it's fairly densely populated. So we were, I was just a little concerned about that, just people coming in and out. So we decided um, about less than a week into the shelter in place that we were going to just basically stop all operations at our two restaurants and our production brewery entirely and just kind of wait and see what happens, you know, out of the concern for safety of our staff and our community. Um, So that's kind of, was our initial reaction so so as of right now neither neither of the restaurants are open the tap room isn't open and you're not producing either so we basically sat on the sidelines for about a week which was this past week um and i got with uh a a few of our production brewery staff said hey you know maybe we start thinking about ways we can you know resume business um, you know, via shipping beer, uh, to direct to consumer across the state, uh, and possibly doing, you know, a contact free way of, uh, delivery and pickup. And my staff was, or the few staff that I had engaged in that conversation were pretty enthusiastic about it. Cause I mean, we have a ton of beer in the tanks, a lot of product. I mean, you just hit the brakes and turn off the lights one day. It's yeah. there's so many things, beers that were in progress, you know, 
we had so much inventory we were sitting on. We're like, it's really hard just to, you know, 100% stop. So we kept a couple of beers rolling in the pipeline this past week, just in case. And uh, basically, we we came up with a plan to launch online sales, um, direct to consumer, and to do like a contact-free drive-through pickup, which will start on Monday. So we're going to resume some partial operations in that capacity. Wow! So from from your restaurants, does um uh, California have like a uh, a standby level of unemployment? So when things change, they can come back to you, um, or have you had to lay off a lot of your team? Yeah, I mean, we've had to lay off over 100 people at our company. Um, most of those are, are the you know the entire staff of our two restaurants. Um, our tap room staff at our production facility has been laid off, and a, at least half of our production team has been laid off. So we're going about this new business slowly and strategically, trying to put you know have all the safety procedures in place and sort of you know, slowly get back into it. Um, and then, you know, with the hope of dialing it in because it's a completely different business model for us. Um, and hopefully, you know, eventually ramping up and being in a position to where, you know, we didn't completely shutter for the entire time. Um, but, you know, it's really touch and go and I'm paying attention to, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in the healthcare system on the front lines down here and, hasn't really affected our community significantly yet, although we know it's here. But I think everyone's just kind of bracing for the, for the impact that'll happen in the next two weeks um, or longer. So it's a scary time out there, and it you know it could change at any minute. So yeah, that so you're you're under a shelter in place, and how long does that anticipate to to last for? Is there much guidance around that? Um, I think. There, you know, if you watch the governor's press briefing on a daily basis, I mean, it sounds like the entire month of April is out, which is to be expected based on how you see this exponentially spreading. So I've kind of told a lot of our staff that, you know, the month of April is almost certainly out. Um, you know, at this point, I'm hoping for June or July. You know, I, I think May would be nice, but I, I still think that might be a little bit, you know, too soon to tell. Um, so, you know, we, we do have to rely heavily on the state um, for unemployment insurance. Um, we decided to uh, pay out all of our employees their accrued sick pay. In the state of California, your employers are required to pay. Um, 72 hours a year of uh, sick pay. Okay. Or well, three days rather, three three shifts of sick pay. So we gave everyone the benefit of the doubt and just cashed everybody out on their sick pay, which helps, but it's you know not yeah not significant. But you know at the same time we got to really make sure that we're a strong and, and healthy business so that we have jobs for people to come back to when we're through this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the key thing right but it's it's hard the hard, the hard thing is the not knowing right if if somebody told us yeah you're going to be in this situation for five weeks then it's going to unravel like this and get back to normal that that you can plan for that but planning for the unknown when it's such a binary thing like open or closed like literally um is very hard and then when things do open again it's like how how do you how do you even envisage, you know, the new normal? Yeah, and that's something I've been trying to 
think about and, you know, how is our business going to be different once we're through this? And I think we're going to be different in many different ways, uh, especially our production business. And I just, I, we have no idea how that's going to, how that's going to go over. We're so used to, you know, self-distribution and, um, just direct to consumer and, you know, we still kind of are, but it's, it's much more limited, you know, by not having any contact with anyone. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy for sure. But, you know, I think rather than kind of letting my, my mind go down the, you know, the hole of, uh, you know, just negativity, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to keep everyone positive and, and just, you know, yeah, support all of our, all of our staff and make sure that, you know, we're going to be here for them when this is all done. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, from the customer's perspective, are you going to start doing delivery? You, you said, um, ne- next week, um, are there any other opportunities to sell, um, beer that maybe you haven't used before? Uh, like Tavo isn't one thing that comes to mind. Um, we, we'd been approached by those folks. Um, it's, Something we're, I mean, we're going to try and control the uh, the shipping of our product for now, yeah. direct to consumers in California. Um, we're not doing any like direct o- delivery yet. It's more through you know the Golden State overnight um, oh, you know, parcel service. Yeah, um, we may look into doing some type of local contact free local delivery, you know, in our county. Um, but since you know we've we pretty much just closed entirely. So we're, when we're reopening, we're going to sort of take it slowly and add new services one at a time as we feel comfortable and as we work out the kinks, you know, we've, we've never shipped direct to consumer before. So that's certainly going to come with some challenges that are going to take a little while to address and, and perfect. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty weird. I'm <laughs> excited about, you know, being able to resume business because it was really hard just completely shuddering. I mean, that was like one of the most difficult weeks of my life, okay. um, which, you know, was compounded by the fact that we had to furlough, you know, 90% of our team. I can yeah, that's like here, here we're, um, grocery stores are still open. And obviously for us, we have a large amount of our production in grocery, um, for us personally. Uh, so that before this all happened was about 50% of what we produced. And obviously now it's almost a hundred percent. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, but at least, I mean, when, I, when we went through all of this, my first thought was how can we make sure everybody still has a job? You know, that's the first thing that you think about. And, um, of course. yeah. So, so knowing that we had grocery was meant that we could keep the lights on, you know, we were fortunate enough for, for that um and then right. we're allowed to do the uh to go sales here and we pivoted to doing that before it was mandated uh, even, albeit just about four hours before it was mandated literally but we had already announced that we we're going to move before the governor um said no no tasting uh, no bars and restaurants can be open um and we have a setup that is like kind of sidewalk side so you don't come into the space to pick up we you come um up to what was our um outside deck and um we like hand it to you over the side of the deck basically so oh nice yeah so it's all open air 
um, you don't come into the space. Um, so it it kind of works out pretty well and literal almost literally curbside uh, pickup like we're 10 feet away from the curbside that you'll park at. Um, so you know that makes me feel that it's a possibility. you know it's not like coming into a small space and still still coming into the into a space it's um you don't even come into the brewery. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we're fortunate for that. Sounds great. Um but it's 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 a crazy crazy time of, of pivoting. Yeah, definitely. We we were we were looking into kind of like a curbside thing and we, we were able to develop a website that is gonna allow people to order uh online and pretty much they pull up into a pickup lane. We have a lot of space out of our production brewery so they can bring their car into a designated pickup lane and oh, yeah. um, call the brewery inside and mention a confirmation order and then we walk out and basically just put it in their trunk and there's you know no interaction they flash an idea in through their window and i mean in theory it sounds like it'll it'll work so it's more about working out the kinks yeah making sure it's viable yeah no that sounds great um we when we went to to go we we also enabled um like in-person uh ordering as well as online ordering and we we've seen about half half the total transactions being through the online site. So then there's similarly a, a very limited interaction, right? It's just come in, oh, that's great. say your name, show your ID and, and pick it and pick it up. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, that's, those are the questions I had. So, um, hopefully in a couple of weeks we can, uh, catch up again and see how the, uh, the to go, uh, the, the delivery is working out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to two weeks from now and seeing where we're at with this thing with the hopes of you know hopefully some places are starting to bend the curve as they say but yeah yeah (laughs) all right thanks a lot yep you bet thank you so there we are we've wrapped up our first edition of this podcast as a reminder we're going to be doing this every every two weeks or so uh, ideally exactly two weeks as we follow people through the the uh, transition of their businesses their communities and their teams through what what the impact of coronavirus will be to them all. One thing I just wanted to touch on is uh, from the perspective of Seattle, Washington, just going through those questions that uh, we went through with with the team, uh, with with the three people on on our little team. Um, so when did I first believe coronavirus was going to be an impact? Uh, I was very similar to uh, John Harris in that when I saw what was happening in Italy. Then I realized that this is this is coming uh, for us. Um, the big sort of aha moment for me was when our two boys, they uh, their school uh, closed down. Then I immediately started doing uh, some contingency planning. Okay, so what happens if we have to close fully down? What happens if we can carry on producing for uh, grocery stores, but not able to do anything else? What happens if we can uh, facilitate to-go sales? What happens if we could facilitate uh, only delivery? So I create a number of scenarios, all with the primary intention of keeping uh, all of our team gamefully employed and just trying to be able to keep the lights on and keep our commitments to all of the stakeholders, our team, our landlord, our distributors, um, and being able to work through those pieces uh, 
in the, whichever scenario would happen. So what actually happened for us a few days before the uh, governor closed the ability for restaurants and bars to be open, uh, we already were working on our plan for, for what would happen if that, if that came through. So we were working on a contingency plan and we had been working on that, say, I think since the Wednesday before uh, it was announced on the Sunday night. Uh, on the Saturday of that week, um, it was too busy in the tap room, honestly. And that Sunday we spoke to a couple of other breweries um, who were planning to close uh, before anything was announced. And we had actually a meeting set up on the Monday morning to do that, to have that discussion about whether we should go to to-go sales only. And we made the decision after uh, having a, a quick phone conference on a Sunday afternoon um, that week uh, to close the following day the tasting room. Within four hours after that, the governor announced that all restaurants and bars would be closed the next day. So. He was obviously on the same page as us. Uh, we were a little ahead. We managed to transition really quickly to a to-go model with on, on online sales as as well. Uh, and luckily, we had been doing that for a number of years. Some online sales for some um, like pre-sale events for some of our mug club. So we're able to move into that right now. W right now, as of uh, March 27th, we uh, have uh, everybody fully employed in the team. We um, have done a number of things around around that. Um, we have to-go sales. Both of our tasting rooms are actually closed, but to-go sales are available. And uh, obviously draft cut off uh, when when rest and restaurants and bars were, were closed. So we've pivoted everything into our package sales. So from an external perspective or from a business perspective, we've gone to to-go sales only for the tasting room um, and just moved that out of one of the tasting rooms rather than have them both open. And we've also moved all of our beer from into package. So that was about a, th a third of our production that was used to be in draft and now that's gone into, into package. The to-go sales are done uh, so that uh, we've constrained it to just one of the two tap tasting rooms that we have, and it's done right, literally street side uh, slash curbside, so people don't come into the space. Um, the uh, we essentially fulfill orders on our on our deck, so uh, I would be a lot more hesitant to be continuing to be open if people came inside. But this is an open air environment with definite separation, and over half of the transactions are also done online now. So it's uh, a very low inter interaction between uh, customers and our our team on 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 that side. We've also, for the past two weeks, implemented a work-at-home policy for anybody who can. So that was well before uh, it was mandated. But uh, our sales team is meeting virtually every week rather than in person. Um, we have a couple of uh, people in the office, uh, actually three, three or four people, that tend to work uh, remotely, two that are permanently working remotely until this this uh, settles down. So anybody who can work remotely and fulfill their job duties is working remotely. In the brewery, we've been implementing uh, a number of a number of uh, specific things, um, such as extra workstations, more sanitizer, uh, sanitizing regimes, keeping uh, six foot 
workspace distances around people. We switched our team meeting to uh, a virtual meeting so people weren't in one room. Uh, and a number of things like this, we've been working to, to make sure our team is protected and healthy through all of this uh, coronavirus uh, impact. So that's really the position here. I think the uh, this, the official line is that the restaurants and bars are closed through uh, for another week or so, but um, I would expect that to be carrying on. In my mind, when I've been asking people how long are you thinking this is going to carry on, in my mind, I'm thinking we're probably going to be into the start of May before things unravel, and when they unravel, they'll be unraveling slowly. So... Maybe we go from no public uh, meeting places to a maximum of 50, you know, and then it might go up to 250, and then it might go, uh, might open up more broadly. But similar to the way I think uh, the governor did um, in Washington State, constrain things down, um, I think that might be the way that it gets relaxed here. Obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, but that's kind of where my, my head's at. Um, and if, if if that's the case, that's kind of what we're sort of planning for. You know, this is really, really tough times um, for lots of people involved, obviously more than others, and it's it's impacting a lot of people health-wise, um, their lives, their, their families, um, their, their work. I think you do need to take some perspective of, of some positives, right? We're seeing communities come together and there's some things that we're working on at the brewery to help um, to help our community in the service industry in these difficult times. And we'll hopefully be able to bring you more information on that on the next podcast in a couple of weeks. So that wraps up this uh, this first episode. As I said, we'll try and do the, we'll do this every two weeks. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Google Podcast. If we've earned it, I'd also appreciate a five-star rating um, to help us get some more visibility on those platforms. I also want to thank, say thank you to Eric Johnson and Quiet Coyote Studio for the music to this show and its production. And so until next time, cheers. Cheers.